So, what is a sermon? What is a sermon? What are we seeking to do? What's our objective? Now, a sermon can have um, a number of purposes in detail. And 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2 helps us to understand what um, a sermon should be. It says this, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. That's what a, a sermon should be. Now, um, as that verse started, the, a sermon should always, always be based on the word of God. It's not a sermon otherwise, it's just some sort of chat. A sermon should always be delivered to take us forward in our Christian life, that we should grow. But even more so, it should take us up towards our God. Um, always pointing us towards God, focusing on our Saviour. Um, the object should always be in teaching a sermon to seek to leave some thought or some verse from the word that stays with us, that builds us, be it a rebuke, um, an exhortation, or a point of learning and development as we seek to work out our sanctification through God's blessing. Ideally, the, the lessons taught in a sermon should be enduring. It should be such a powerful point that it sticks with us. Now, sadly, and I confess to this, Sometimes we're in a state of mind or tiredness or whatever. There's some of these things just go over us. But we, we, can, we can pray that God will bless us always as we listen to the sermons from his word, that they may be truly a blessing to us. So this evening, I want to use the word of God to exhort, as mentioned in that verse. And we would possibly be more familiar with the, the word to encourage which is very similar to the word um, to exhort. But with much of the word of God, there is um, a responsibility to the listener. We have to listen, fairly fundamental. But it's down to us to listen and to re react and to have that responsibility of taking on board what we are hearing and applying it to ourselves in our Christian lives. And that is important that we do such things. Now, um, just a, a point about um, scripture references. I, I've got quite a few references to, to reflect upon. Um, God is my judge, whether that's um, correct. I, I believe it to be a good thing for me. I'm, I'm, I'm not a trained preacher. Um, but j just for me to have... To be able to um, refer to references in the Word of God, it keeps things on track, and I know and I can trust that the Word of God is there for our blessing, and it helps us to, to focus our minds and to refresh ourselves in what the Word of God has to say to us. So our text for tonight um, is found in the, um, the passage we read in Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to think about um, aspects of verse 12, Exodus 3, verse 12. 
Lord said, I will certainly be with you. Or more literally, in the, the translation from the Hebrew, is despite, I will be with you. Despite, I will be with you. Now these are simple words, but they're powerful words. These are words spoken by the Lord God. And they have a depth that we can learn from, and I believe encourage ourselves that our God will be with us. Now, as with all verses um, extracted, if you like, from its location within the Bible, it's critical that we understand the, the context that those words were actually spoken in the situation where these words were uttered. To adapt words or to pull them out of context is not right and it's certainly not helpful. So the, the children of Israel, as you're very well aware, have been in captivity, which eventually evolved into slavery for a period of about 400 years. And God spoke um, the words from our text to Moses at a point in time when God was responding to the prayers of the children of Israel. And those prayers are recorded in verse 7 of chapter 3, how they pleaded with God. They had returned to their senses, if you like, and they realized that they had no other way out but to turn to God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. Now, we have, we serve, we love a prayer hearing and answering God, subject to his sovereign will. Now, this is so obvious. I know that we are mature Christians here. But it is good sometimes just to remind ourselves of some of the basic things. Just, just to reset our minds and say, yes, I, I believe and I understand that God hears prayers and that he can answer our prayers. And it's such an encouragement to us to pray faithfully, knowing that God hears the prayers. As for the children of Israel, sometimes the answers to those prayers take a long, long time. But we, meet, we need to remind ourselves that God is timeless. God is eternal. Um, minutes, hours, days, weeks, they're just not there for God, but he will answer prayers in his own time. So Moses is being prepared to be God's deliverer of the people of Israel. But as we move to our first point, we have three. Moses in initially was not an eager participant plans. So our first point, I will certainly with you, be with you despite the Hebrew. And the, the point I'm trying to make here was the true and living God has said these words. Using Moses as our illustration, we see that God made his promise to Moses despite, despite the best efforts of Moses to duck his responsibility. Exodus 4.13 says, send somebody else, as uttered by Moses. But it was to this same man that God had spoken the words slightly earlier, I will certainly be with you. Now, particularly when I used to work a long time ago, or when I try and tell somebody something, 
if they don't listen, it's very frustrating. If they don't take notice of what you're trying to say to them. But God is a God of perseverance with us. And Joshua 1.5 says, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. The, the promises of God are enduring. They're not here for a moment and then they're, then they're gone. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says this, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. These are the words of Almighty God. The same God who spoke to Moses in that part of the desert, I will certainly be with you. And the scripture continues that theme. And these words are here for our encouragement, for us to learn by, to have our trust in God. But what can we learn? Met here this evening, what can we learn? What benefit can we derive from these words of comfort from this point? Our, our thoughts, as I said earlier, should always be taken upwards to God and we should reflect on what God has said. There's no ifs or buts with God. I will certainly be with you. And it always amazes me and frustrates me that the, the art form which many politicians have developed, they, they're asked a question and they completely ignore that question and they then just proceed to make the point which they want to make and they don't answer the question. But that's not with God. Simple but powerful words directly spoken. Is there any ambiguity in certainly I will be with you? I can't find any. This is a message of protection and comfort to us. This same God who uttered the words to Moses also recorded in the scriptures, a bruised reed he will not break and smoking flax he will not quench. Isaiah 42 verse 3. We, we often, certainly I do, feel our inadequacies before God in many ways. We should do because we worship and come before the great, true and living God. But again in Isaiah 45 verse 22, God says, Look to me and be saved all you ends of the earth. For I am God, there is none other. There is no other God. And this same God has said, I will certainly be with you. And this is the same God who loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for us. We, 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 we need to dwell on these things more. We need to focus that God loves us. The, the creating God, the sustaining God loves us. He sent his son to die for us. And these are powerful things. These are things which can lift us up to be closer to God. Now we may be the weakest and poorest Christian, but we should always seek to cling to the truth that God is certainly with us, despite, despite our best efforts, our daily best efforts to distance ourselves from God through our perpetual sin. God is certainly with us. If we are truly trusting the Lord Jesus Christ alone for our salvation, then the words of John 
chapter 6 are a significant comfort to us. Verse 39. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Special, special, isn't it? We are, we are so secure in our salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ that the very Son of God said, I will lose no one. No one will be lost and I will raise them up at that last day. Um, despite of us, however strong or weak we are, God will certainly be with us. God acknowledges our frailties. He knows us. He knows us well. My grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 and also. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. These are special truths for us. As God's people in difficult days, very difficult days, days of discouragement, we would have to acknowledge that. God hasn't changed. God is still with us and God's plan is still to build his church and we have to trust in these things. We have to acknowledge that God is with us and we have to tread boldly for God in the work which he seeks to do for us. We need to take courage. We need to take strength and delight in the fact that God is with us despite our best efforts to distance ourselves from him. So that's our first point, that the very true and living God has said, I will certainly be with you. Our second point, I will certainly be with you, but don't take it easy. There is, as we've already thought, a responsibility upon the Christian to, um, to listen, to react, and to work for God. Now, we need to make um, the point very clear, which um, you people gathered here tonight will know, that once you are a true Christian, you can never not become a true Christian. Our eternal salvation is not dependent upon our spiritual performance, but we do need to de seek to develop um, in our Christian lives, and we'll think about this a little bit later on. Now, using Moses again as our illustration, he was given a monumental task to do. Um, initially, Moses was certainly not convinced by God's words. God had given Moses the promise of his presence with him, but the opening verses of chapter 4 starts with Moses saying, but, and suppose, again, even after God had drawn near to Moses and said, I will certainly be with you, Moses is still trying to get out of it, asking for somebody else, but, and, and, and conjuring up what-if scenarios, that it could go wrong, and suppose this happens. God said, I will certainly be with you. Now, we have to have some sympathies, I feel, with Moses. He was being asked to be, do a, a, a huge thing. But again, God perseveres with Moses. And the scripture gives us comfort with regard to our frailties. Jeremiah 1, verse 8. Do not be afraid of their faces, 
deliver you, says the Lord. We need to constantly grab hold of these truths and these promises that God has given to us in his word. Now, we need to remember what Moses was taking on here. He had to go back to Pharaoh's court and stand before, effectively, his adopted family members and take the message of God, let my people go. Moses had his faults, undoubtedly, but Deuteronomy 34, verse 10 tells us, Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. What a relationship Moses eventually developed with God when he knew him face to face. Special. There's a word that we used to use at work um, in a certain um, situation. The word was axiomatic. Axiomatic. And its meaning is that it goes without saying. Now Moses changed. And that's axiomatic. We don't have to really say that because it's changed. And we know that as the story unfolded, he worked his relationship with God. He was sanctified. He worked at his sanctification. He had a desire to get nearer to God. And he was truly blessed in God honoring the work which um, Moses undertook for God. But he wasn't perfect. No one on this world is perfect. And eventually Moses paid quite a heavy price for his failings. But God knew Moses face to face. James chapter 4 verse 8 tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We need to work at our relationship with God. God encourages us to draw near to him. But there again is this responsibility that we have to work um, at our relationship with God, praying for it, seeking to understand God's word, seeking to um, work out the teachings of God's word. We need to work at our relationship with God. Now, Moses' successor, Joshua, um, his dealings with God here are very helpful to us. Let me just read briefly to you Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. These are, these are great words, powerful words. No man shall be able to stand before you in the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do all according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous then you will have good success. That's powerful, isn't it? God speaking to his servant Joshua that these things were going to be done for him if, if he 
worked at his relationship with God, if he, he tried hard to be good and right for, for God. Now, the end of that talks about, for then you will make your ways prosperous. Now, again, I'm speaking to mature Christians, but if we ever um, come across people who um, are interested in the prosperity gospel, then we must dissuade them. They are either reading a poor version of the Bible or listening to the wrong preachers. It's not a promise from God in our lives to, to make us rich, but it is a promise of God's blessing, God's presence in our lives to use us to extend his kingdom and work for his glory. If we follow very closely in all his ways, soaking up the word of God, so what are practical ways in which we can do this? What, what can we do in our lives to make us closer to God and to enjoy that, that promise from God that certainly he would be with us? The prayer meeting, that's a powerful thing, the prayer meeting. We should be there and we should seek to pray. We should seek to pour out our hearts, seeking God's blessing, Bible study. We should be there trying to encourage and to take in that which is spoken to us. Um, both services on the, the Lord's Day, I'm afraid that um, many in our church, the Sunday evening doesn't really feature, and that's, that's, that's sad. Partaking of fellowship with God's people, I was encouraged um, after the morning service that there was a gathering of people talking to the visitors that's here this morning, and that is truly a good thing, something which I need to learn from in honesty. We need to have something to do in God's house. Whatever it is, whatever our capabilities will allow us to do, we need to grab hold of a, a, a work or a task in God's house that God will bless it and that we can do for, um, for God. So um, the words which God spoke to Joshua, they are not financial prosperity, but they are prosperity of our heart, of our soul, doing something for God. And as we do that, God will make us prosperous in our Christian lives. We need to be diligent. We need to be working. We need to be praying without ceasing. We really need, in these difficult times, we need to besiege the throne of grace that God will pour out blessings upon our churches. It is so, so important. Now, Joshua was a man of God, blessed in many ways, standing up for God, sometimes against hostile people, enduring the judgments of God against the people of Israel. How do you think the warrior of God, Joshua, took the defeat at Ai? Did he cry off and say, I'm not playing anymore? No, he tore his clothes he prostrated himself before God and he obeyed to the letter the instructions of God. And this is how we should approach God's word. When things don't go well, we pray, we pray again. We focus on seeking God's blessing upon us. So how is our Christian life? Are we just paddling along or are we focusing on other things, maybe things which are not so important? God's work should be first in our lives, surely everything else is second, and we will know that blessing of God that <coughs> he 
certainly will be with us. Now, we read Acts 4 earlier on, quite a, a long reading, but there was a key line in that passage. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. They realized that they had been with Jesus. What a witness that is. What a witness. Just for people to see our lives and know that we are Christians and know that we are blessed under God's forgiveness of our sins. God is no man's debtor. He will bless us. 1 Timothy 4.15 says, Meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Sometimes our family situations are hard, they are difficult. Our family members um, are closed to the gospel. But if they see a consistent Christian life lived, that is a powerful witness, something which we should not dismiss. The word of God again says in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What blessing, what blessing are we denying ourselves if we are not seeking to live a life which is pleasing to God? So points one and two. Point one was the promise of Almighty God that he will be with us despite of us. But point two, that God will be with us, but we have a responsibility to work on our side of the relationship. Now, finally, our final point. It's, it's a very easy one to understand, this one, but it is such a blessing to us. I will certainly be with you forever. I will certainly be with you forever. Now, this barely needs to be said in many ways, but God will be with us forever. God is a, an eternal God, the eternal God, one Thessalonians 4.17 And thus we shall always be with the Lord. What a comfort. What a blessing. Now we have to be brutally honest with ourselves sitting here tonight. Do we have that total peace and assurance and confidence in our personal situation regarding the words of that verse? Do we have that knowledge in our heart that we shall always be with the Lord through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that, don't, do those words apply to us? Maybe the live stream people, if you're not truly trusting in the Lord God, do you have that peace? Do you have that knowledge, that confidence, that assurance that you will be forever with the Lord? The Christian has a glorious destiny. The, these, um, these times are hard. But we, we need to look on to our eternal future. And those days will be glorious. Um, as I said earlier on, we've, we've been without a pastor now for a time. And I had the privilege recently of taking the funeral of one of our past church members. Now that person did not always have an easy life in this life. But the sense of now being present with the Lord at that small gathering was palpable. It was felt that that life of some difficulty had now ended and she was now with the Lord. It was very special. Hebrews 10, 34, 
knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. What assurance we can take from these words. Um, how can anyone accurately and sufficiently describe heaven to do it any justice? I looked at several hymns, but I wasn't convinced that any of the hymns that I looked at even started to scratch the surface, surface of what heaven is. And I think the words for me that start to describe the beauty and the assurance of heaven is peace with God. Just three words, peace with God. Having that eternity with God and knowing that there is peace with God just starts to open up for me some of the beauties of heaven. Hebrews 10, 17. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. I, I'm taking a Bible study in a couple of weeks' time at our church, and I'm taking that verse. And our perfect God, our omnipotent God, will stoop to human frailties of becoming forgetful with regard to our sins for eternity. I can't even start to understand that. And I've got to speak on it in a couple of weeks. I'm sure I'll get there. But God will forget these things. I know I start to forget things now. But God will forget the sins of my heart for eternity. And just finally, to re reiterate our last point, God will be with us forever. Does God lie? Is God going to become ill and pass away? Is another entity going to come along and change things? No. 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 God truly will be with us forever. That's a joy to my heart. For eternity, I will be, give, be with God forever. And if we are truly his people, we will be with him forever. Loved with an everlasting life. So just to recap, the true and the living and the faithful God has said that he will be with us certainly forever, despite of us. God will be with us, but we have responsibilities to work at our side of the relationship. And God will be with us for eternity. May God encourage us and richly bless us as we think about these things and hopefully some of these thoughts will endure with us for a while.